Welcome, thinkers, to Season 4, Episode 22 of Thinking Critically, a D&D discussion. This is a bit of a special one, I have to say. I hope that's a pleasant surprise for you all. Because, firstly, it's a lot shorter, so a bit more bite-sized, this one. We're looking at about half an hour for this one. Because this one was recorded live, as it were, at the RP Gaming Faversham event, hosted by the boys from the Baltic Star, who, regular listeners will know, that they were guests two episodes ago on Integrity. Great, hard-working bunch of lads. I am incredibly proud of them for what they achieved at the event. So firstly, go and listen to that episode, Integrity, if you haven't already. It's a really cool one. Loads of different topics discussed in that one. But last Saturday, the 18th of March, Ian, who's been a previous guest on the show before and is also a player in my long-term homebrew campaign, made a pilgrimage to Faversham in Kent, the Garden of England here in the UK, a lovely part of the world, for this awesome TTRPG event. We played Call of Cthulhu, we played some Ravenloft saying, we had a great time, met loads of people, had a few beers, met the guys from Roll the Damn Dice, which was a lovely, pleasant surprise. We even played a game with one of them, which is fantastic. So yeah, this this was recorded live there. Unfortunately, I didn't get as much recording as I'd liked. Those kind of live recording situations are still very new to me. I'm still getting used to balancing, like playing. Oh, like <laughs> I wanted to go and play, right? I wanted to, I wanted to play the TTRPGs. I didn't want to just talk about them. So that took up, as you might be aware, a lot of time because <laughs> I was enjoying myself. So I'm not going to apologize for that. But that means that the, the actual amount of recording we got after traveling that way was was <laughs> quite little. But, oh, oh, so good. And has led to a couple of good, really good recording opportunities coming up with a couple of guys I met there. So a couple of good episodes coming up in the future. So keep your ears out for those. But yes, so firstly, big thanks to Ian. You'll see him on the Think Crit D&D Twitch streams every other Tuesday playing Yelst for being my chauffeur for the day and uh, putting up with me setting up all my equipment and listening to me record and obviously thanks to ben ewan and luke from the boys from the baltic star their links are in the episode description as i said go and check out integrity uh, and their traveler stream which they do and uh, yeah it was a fantastic little event i'd recommend anybody go and visit it if you can next year where i hope they'll be doing it again and this is this is a little surprise to everybody including the boys i'm gonna i'm gonna get them back on like we're going to do a wrap-up. We've got to do a wash-up because it's it's phenomenal what they did. It was, it was a really cool event and, uh, yeah, I love to go back. So, again, there'll be audio. We're recording it in an open space, lots of people, so please bear that in mind. Very similar to the live, uh, the, the which closed at the end of Season 1. So, yes, uh, go and listen to that. That was, that was wow, anxiety-inducing when I recorded that all those years ago. But, uh, yes, this one worked out just as good. So yeah, hope you enjoy this slightly shorter, succinct episode talking to our guest. However, if you are listening to this, if you are the keenest of listeners and are listening to this the day it drops, March the 24th, stop, stop keen listener and listen no more. Let me direct you to my Twitch stream, for I will be knee deep in my 12 hour charity stream for Naomi's House and Jack's Place Children's Hospices here in the UK. And then, you know, once once we're done with that, 
you can always go back and listen to the episode. That's not going to go anywhere. But my 12-hour charity stream this year is, that's it, it's one and done this March the 24th. So yeah, playing, hopefully smashing Resident Evil 4, maybe some other games, lots of surprises, lots of challenges, lots of forfeits, lots of weird and wacky stuff probably going on. I'm going to be in pain for some of it for reasons that will become obvious if you if you head over to twitch.tv slash thinkcritdnd and go and listen to my charity stream but it's for a fantastic cause you'll hear me say out on the stream but for charities and you know donating money i always think kids and animals are the two that i are like my highest priority because they get the least <laughs> choices and the least chance at life so like seriously what a fantastic cause uh, so yeah when, when this episode drops please head over to twitch.tv slash thinkcritdnd, help and support, and just come down and, and, and say hello. I'd love to love to chat to a couple of the listeners. If you're listening to this after that date, fear not. As of course, the VOD will be up on Twitch, and also you can still donate for several days after. So I'll put all the links in the episode description if you're feeling exceptionally generous. Otherwise, without any further ado, let's teleport back to the Garden of England. And we're here at the RP Gaming Faversham Festival, and I'm here with Steve. So, welcome to the show, Steve. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're here today? Uh, yeah, no, I've been into TTRPGs for about five or so years. It all started off as a bit of a not-quite-lockdown project. It was a little bit before that. I had seen and uh, watched some people playing Call of Cthulhu by Chaosium online some videos some bits and pieces like that mm-hmm. and i decided that i wanted to give it a go myself I had a bit of time looking around trying to see if there were any keepers as they're called in this game and around so dms yeah right, the DMs, keepers yeah. Of, well yeah. technically it's keepers of the arcane law but that's oh, a bit yeah, too way too long <laughs> yeah, it, yeah so keepers worked ended up i couldn't find any uh, not many people online kind of community they'd even heard of call of cthulhu right so i decided well sorry i want to play I might as well play. Yeah. Set the group up, ran through a few short scenarios, got my uh, got my chops in, and kind of just went from there. So it's been about five years now. I have recently this year finished one of the longer Cthulhu campaigns, uh, Horror on the Orient Express. Amazing. Which took about two years. Doesn't sound like a lot, for, I'm sure, for a lot of D and D players and things like that. But in in Cthulhu, that is a long yes. play time. That it's quite a lethal game. Yes. Yeah. So so I hear, and uh, well, that's a, it's good for me to hear as we're literally moments away from starting our our well, certainly myself and everybody else is at the table is their first game. So, why don't you tell us what you got what you've got in store for us? Okay, so it is uh, scenario called Deadlight. It is part of a two part compendium called Deadlight, put out by Chaosium. It's been written by Alan Bly uh, with help from Matthew Sanderson. The idea for these is that they're two scenarios that you can throw into any ongoing campaign with the only stipulation being that the characters are on the road somewhere. It's mostly set around Arkham in the 1920s, but uh-huh. with, some, with some tweaking, you can make them work for wherever you want to. So it's Deadlight and Saturnine Chalice are the two scenarios in the book. I'm running Deadlight, so I think it works incredibly well as a scenario for convention games the keeper can kind of keep control of the pace without too much issue and it still lets the players have some freedom to experience what the campaign uh, what the game system's like and how the the basic roleplay system works okay i'm excited and I, I hear that the the module we ran you ran in the morning no one 
died, right? Yeah, so that, I mean, there's character death and character insanity are definitely two things that are very common uh, themes <laughs> very in common Call of Cthulhu. Great. Oh, absolutely. It bodes well. Um, I mean, average, for example, uh, average hit points range between 10 and 12 in the character. If you're hit with a shotgun, it's 2d6 damage. Right, okay. So I mean, that gives you an idea <laughs> yes. that if, if you're particularly unlucky, it can be one hit KO. Yeah. You are supposed to be playing everyday folks in the 19... Well, 1920s for what I tend to run, but there are several settings and modules. One of my favorite ones that's out there is getting its own expansion soon. It's called Reign of Terror, and it is... Sounds set, decidedly lethal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it is set during the French Revolution in Paris. So you've got this brilliant setting of mistrust, of political intrigue, of people out on the street that are desperate to survive. Yeah. Throw some mythos into that, some Lovecraftian element into that, and it's just a perfect blend. You can get away with all these sorts of things. Uh, having players walking around with you know, a weapon that you can fire once every four turns, and they have to decide <laughs> what they're doing the rest of the time that something's bearing down on them. Yeah. It gets tricky. <laughs> they have to make some tough choices. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. And uh, a final question then. What, what brought you to uh, Faversham today? And a little, a little information for yourself. Uh, yeah. Regular listeners of the show will know the reason that one of the reasons why I wanted to come today is pure happenstance. The home city from the players in my campaign, I also randomly called Faversham. So when oh, I saw okay. that these guys were from here and were doing this, I was like, I, it's a pilgrimage. It's you have like, to come back. I have exactly, to come. Exactly. I have to, we're going to get a photo of me next to a sign, and that's, <laughs> that's it. That'll be the new, the, the, the new logo for the show. So for yourself, what, what brings you to here today specifically? It was pure happenstance, like you said. I was in a, a board gaming shop in Canterbury, Dyson Destiny, tabletop store, uh, ex-employee actually. So, oh, okay. Uh, I was in there down, downstairs playing some games, uh, and, and the organizer event comes in speaks to the manager and says, you know, I've got some flyers, I want to run this, I'm running this tabletop event. Um, oh, and by the way, just, just out of curiosity, do you know anyone that runs Call of Cthulhu? Because it's one of the kind of niches that we want to fit in. The manager just goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Steve's downstairs right now. Yeah. I've I'd, I'd done a couple of intro shots at the, uh, at the store in the past and some other bits and pieces. And it was just one of those pure happenstance moments where he happens to come in when I'm downstairs ready to go. Yeah. We had a quick chat and he said, there's an event I want to do a few different games, you know, in uh, in part of the day, you know, on in the course of the day. And I thought, if I've got to try and make it, so yeah, I said yes, I'll do what I can and uh, beg, borrowed, and stole my way to get my shift <laughs> free for today. Awesome. So I think what would be uh, I don't want to eat too much into the game time. Mm. So I think what would be nice now if we have a nice fade to music and then for the listeners it'll be instants before we come back after the the session sounds and good and then we'll, we'll, we'll catch up then and see how maybe I'll be in tears and we'll see <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's well, happening I can't then. promise anything but let's get going <laughs> awesome see you in a second see you soon and we're back now in recovery mode <laughs> with Steve the Keeper after an ordeal, I think it's fair to say. So, we've just... Name, name of the module, Deadlight? Yes, this is Deadlight. Um, it's, it's one of Chaosium's published ones. It's actually, I believe, originally 5th edition, and one of the ones that they've updated, put out for 7th. It's certainly designed to be a bit more grueling mm. in places. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you think that went, then? I think it went fine, yeah. I, I've run this a number of times with a few different people. Um, run it twice today. 
<clears throat> the group yourselves were in, you took the most common, I'd say. Straight, straight down the line. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that happens a lot. There, there were some things that happened that uh, don't normally take place. The, um, the fate of Amelia is usually less gruesome. <laughs> but there's, there's usually a, a, bit of, uh, a bit of impetus on the player's part to try and keep her alive. Uh, She's a victim of a crime. Right, yeah. And then, uh, L- less gruesome than leaving her to be consumed just by an yeah. aggregate entity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we did tell her to leave. <laughs> you, you told us to leave quietly as you were on your way out the door. Yeah, one foot away, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we had, yeah, an incredible amount of fun. That was really in- exciting, I found. I put in my notes, the first roll was 99? Yeah. The, yes, the first roll of the game Absolute was. critical fail on one of the first <laughs> rolls of the game is incredible. <laughs> what was the context of that roll? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, so you'd been, you'd started off um, just after a gig as the band of Wolverines uh, and the organiser of the gig was trying to stiff you. Oh, yes. Trying, uh, <laughs> so what one of your players decided is, oh, no, I'll, I'll give, him a, give him a bit of an intimidation roll, threaten to start burning the place up. <laughs> 99 did so he just casually dropped the name of a local crime family such so just comparatively low stakes compared to what you we get to at the end <laughs> like who cares about 50 bucks anymore oh that was it you but you were so you were so <laughs> deadbeat on getting those 50 bucks back <laughs> i mean my, my guy could have taken take it or leave it but the, the guys they need to get their salaries right well so that's it yeah that's exactly it the car chase was particularly mm. exciting i know from doing a lot of D&D that chases can be awkward, at least. Like, do you do initiative? Do you not do initiative? Do you, how do you kind of judge distances? It's a bit, without yeah. a map, it can all get a bit abstract. It's, it's difficult to keep track of things. But I think that went pretty well for in terms of like, you're here, you're here, you're here, do something now. Call of Cthulhu as opposed to D&D, I think, I know there are people that will disagree with me on this. Personally, I feel that it's not, necessary to be a map game mm-hmm. i know D there's a lot going on and you need to keep track of a lot of different people and a lot of different creatures moving at the same time and i think that one you kind of need most not all fights but most fights you need to have a visual representation of who's where and doing what call of cthulhu is much more theater of the mind i think there's a lot less going on you can give more vague representations of what's happening around you and the chase rules in particular i think are really nicely laid out you have a number of obstacles in mind, it doesn't have to be pre-written a chase for every scenario. If you're in a street, you could just say, okay, right, well, there's a market stall in front of you. There's mm-hmm. a guy who's got a crate of boxes on a, a pile of crates on a, on a wheeling dolly or something like that. General things you would see in a street scene that would be an issue. You get everybody to begin either rolling constitution to see what kind of shape they're in at the start of the run, or if you're driving, you do a, a driving test. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of just, let's say you make five points put the players either on point one or point two, depending how well they do on the test. Yep. And then uh, whatever the bad, the bad guys are for that chase, you have them at zero or one, depending how things kind of play out from there. So it's like the chase, the BBC. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you just kind of, you just imagine each step. You don't want to just make a competitive, give me a constitution check, yeah. give me a constitution check. What thing, because someone, if you give them a straight line, they will just run. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. The path of least resistance. Exactly, yeah. Then you've got to think, well, what would be in the way? So for today's example, driving down that road, the mud slicks, gravel road. You've got to make some hard driving tests to keep control of the vehicle. There's a you know, tree sticking out the way, so someone's got to see that as you go past. And then once you're on foot, fallen trees, you've got to jump over. Various things, things that you would just encounter in everyday life that 
if you were at speed, you'd go, oh, that might be a problem. Mm. You don't you don't want to make them too complex. You don't want to paint this massively vivid, detailed scene because it's not what it is. It's you are chasing someone. I mean, the, the chases we did today were very small in location. Yeah. Plus, like small and intense though. Exactly. You could use the exact same rules expanded out and it could be you're driving through a city. Mm. Just you go through a few streets following someone and then you make a test, get around a certain truck that's in the way, you're another five miles down in a different road doing a different test against something else. The mm. rules are simple, five or six spots and you just keep testing until you either get away or you get caught. Mm. Yeah, that, so that was particularly enjoyable mm. i think the ending was painful <laughs> emotionally trying um <laughs> funny enough ian well let me let me pass the mic over welcome welcome this is my first we're doing it ad hoc we're doing it live that's the nature of the show we're going to bring in ian previous guest episode two three three experience and player in my campaign what did you feel about the the conclusion of our call of cthulhu Firstly, sorry, Billy. <laughs> I think for, for poor Billy, but um, I, I have to say, for full disclosure, this was our first game of Call of Cthulhu. And uh, I think actually it probably had more of a, an emotional toll on me uh, as a person than like that traditional kind of 5e, where it's fair to say probably, that I would have done some rough things in your campaign, um, you know, and my old character was a bugbear deaf cleric, so you can kind of see where oh, he absolutely. was going. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. But <laughs> everyone, everyone's been a bugbear deaf cleric. Um, but I think, I think the, the key thing there is like, because you're just people. Yeah. And actually, there's no backstory that's like, I want revenge or, you know, some kind of like, movie kind of backstory at least in, in this scenario we were just dudes of a struggling band well that's it yeah i mean there's certainly scope for that and if you want to do an ongoing campaign and you want to set something up along those lines where you have stakes in the world already then you absolutely can the character creation system is particularly good for that because you you roll for significant people and locations and possessions and then you can kind of you can either go for what the roles say or it just gives you a baseline to go from in the future so you could you can have it so that one of your significant people is involved in something and the keeper can run with that but like you say most of the time these are just folks out in the world and somehow that 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 itself has and, and credit to you steve as well but um, <laughs> like it, you know that that was that the last part was pretty wrenching much more so than hmm. And, and a big part of that, I think, is probably because you don't, you're not having that sort of power fantasy of knowing in your back pocket you've got a bunch of spells, a bunch of spell slots, you know, and, and a great deal more is possible. Mm. Um, you know, both the, 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 the threat that we faced today was something that, you know, wasn't just like, okay, cool, have we got the kind of dice and the equipment to, to deal with this? But also we're up against something that, as far as we could tell, couldn't be defeated in a in a normal kind of manner. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not even not even with like a six year. So, so I think I think all of that I think adds vulnerability. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the the whole engine on it, of it, whilst at first probably it's fair to say it's quite daunting, finding the like a character sheet with like feels like a matrix of a trillion numbers, it, but it at the really same does. time, it felt like pretty much there was a check for everything. Whereas it. Yeah, 
of trying to make this all a and we ended up with like a lot of times where there was there was always quite a specific check that we could do mm. rather than kind of homogenizing quite a lot of stuff as well but kind of back to the, the the end of it really i think yeah it it was yeah we were having to do bad things for good reasons but i'd say that that probably definitely w- wouldn't normally shake me in the same I way know, I, yeah i i, I I know exactly what you mean. It's when you play, even if you play something, you know, something like Curse of Strahd, you play Ravenloft, and you have these kind of moments in D anD D where you're up against this horrific evil. You still know you're the good guys. I mean, most of the time in a game of Call of Cthulhu, you know you're the good guys, but you, sometimes you're put in a corner and you walk out thinking, "Is that the right thing to do? Did I just walk out making a mistake?" Yeah, I mean, I, exactly that. And I think, in fairness, we we went in a band, a pretty bad jazz band. <laughs> with a trombone <laughs> and we came out really basically cultists but you know not not from choice really yeah you were backed into a corner and you saw two ways out and you took the one that seemed most likely yeah and, and I, th- I think both me and Danlo had that same epiphany at the same moment of going like are we cultists now is this are we are we doing are we doing cult things whereas because you don't have that layer of a of like, almost like a class and all that other stuff that, that made it quite interesting, I think, uh, in terms of the, okay, cool. Now, rather than saying, oh, well, look, I'm a paladin or I'm a cleric and, like, this is not totally wild for me. Yeah. Um, that, that all made it quite a big, interesting stretch. But, you know, definitely more, more of a moral aspect to it, I think. Yeah. One, one of the things I like about Call of Cthulhu is there is no real morality system. You're, there's just surviving... Essentially, the way I've always treated it is everyone has the same basic objective of survive, and then you can have other goals on top of that. So you can aim to, in this instance, you know, contain the dead light. You can attempt to destroy it, or you could have just gone, look, we're going to run. That's all we want to do. But then you would have had consequences for just leaving it, roaming, you know, across the Miskatonic Valley, doing what it wants. The knights draw in, and it just more of cutting a swath across uh, everywhere it, it goes. But yeah, you, you, kind of, you had the three options of, you attempted to kill it, you, you didn't, yeah, as it goes, you didn't quite connect the dots. And that is one of the, the shortfalls, I'll say, of Call of Cthulhu, in a way. It's not necessarily that good at differentiating between what the player and the characters know. It makes some assumptions at times that the characters would connect some dots but the players might not. There are systems in place to kind of make it easy um, to make it more helpful. There's something called an intelligence check or a no roll, which is basically just an intuition, which lets the keeper feed some ideas or things that possibly should have been... You, I mean, this is the trouble when these modules are written by one or two people. You know, They might make logical leaps that other people don't. That's the only real weakness, I'd say, in, in the system itself. I think the, the one of the things that was quite interesting to me was you know, the, the fact that there is an idea mechanic that's almost mm. there to help plug a little bit of that that gap. And I know, Danilo, you've talked often about like the rule of three and, and those kind of topics in, in the past shows where people are struggling to, to pick up a, a puzzle and, and the hints and usually, you know, kind of free, free strikes and they're, they're, they're helping without needing to be sort of railroaded back on track too much. I think it's quite interesting because at one point I think we had a, a situation where you did the uh, yeah where okay like maybe maybe try and try and make an idea roll no actually mm. that was like a almost like a, a double fail in as much as like that the, the players were scratching their heads a little yeah. bit with some clues <laughs> and then 
that safety net also didn't kind of catch us in quite the same way. Um, I think it did eventually, actually, um, a little bit, and then probably almost simultaneously, some of the, the realisation, uh, Danilo, you were, you were starting to have as well on, on some of the problems. So that, that was some neat mechanics that were, were involved as well. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. And uh, it is a great system. I think it's, you certainly need a certain mindset to play Cthulhu. Going in as the kind of murder hobo brigade never works. There are definitely ways that you end up. I mean, you saw today, you saw how lethal that thing was. And mm. it, got, it got one attack off. Yes. So I started at 11 HP and ended at three, I think. So in one hit, essentially, yeah. one proper hit. So that was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, this <laughs> yeah. is now. That, I, think, I think when that happened, I was like, someone else is going to get sacrificed because I've been through the ringer already. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And it's. Um, it's very much it is an investigation game. I mean, this one was more connecting the dots, speaking to people. There are some that are more, you know, okay, it's time to start searching libraries for clues and mm. doing some research. I, I was desperate to find an opportunity for my library use skill. I was like, we're oh, going to, yeah. I've got to find a library. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of the most um, required stats. The two stats that everybody needs in Cthulhu campaigns is spot hidden and library use. Mm -hmm. The two most repet like most recurring. It's like perception and in, in for D and D equivalents is perception is, is your go to. Yeah, it's it, it's a system that I think just works really well for what it does. As a combat centric system, it works. Mm -hmm. I have played a couple of I'll run a couple of games that were set in the um, in the Middle Ages. Uh, so the, there's a module which is Dark Ages England and there's a module in horror on the Orient Express, which is Crusades Constantinople, uh, the sacking of Constantinople. And it works, but you can tell it's not really, this game specifically isn't really geared for that. Yeah. A mechanic in that is, okay, well, you've got the number of players plus two as your opponents, but as soon as they see two of their number die, they're not gonna hang around. Mm. They're not here to fight you to the death. They're not, yeah. they're not diehards, they're just mercenaries. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. You in places that works absolutely fine for what you need. Um, but there are other better rule sets out there if you're on a combat-centric game. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do this kind of horror investigation, horror survival, but you kind of want to have a little bit of the D and D power trip, there is a sub uh, rule set called Pulp Cthulhu. Oh, okay. Which is the best way I have to describe it. If Call of Cthulhu is a horror film, Pulp Cthulhu is Indiana Jones. Oh, awesome! <laughs> so it is here is an ancient evil punch it you have much more health sanity is less of an issue you can make these kind of you, know, you will see an eldritch beast and go right, okay cool time to die rolling up um, your sleeves absolutely yeah <laughs> it's it's there are flavors for everything you kind of want to do and i think that's why i like this and the other stuff that chaosium make with the basic roleplay system it's just so malleable you can kind of do whatever you need to with it Awesome. Well, we have to go and get some dinner before yeah, we dive into the <laughs> Ravenloft session for the for the evening. So all that's left to say is thank you ever so much for for not only the session but also your time on on the show today. You're more than welcome. I've enjoyed it. I think we'll have to arrange for a proper formal sit down episode oh, yeah. at some point Absolutely, where we can yeah. really dive into these details a little bit more but otherwise yeah thank you thank you ever so much oh and i almost forget myself sitting away from my usual studio is, is there anything you want to promote not at all not in the slightest um i guess i only have one thing which isn't even really tangentially related to 
role-playing in TTRPGs, but uh, my War Games Club runs Broadside Game Show every year uh, in Gillingham in June. So just give that a look. Awesome. Well, I'll pop that in the episode description as usual. Thank you very much. Otherwise, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for the Patreon shout-outs. Huge thank you to all my patrons, starting with Josh, Lewinika, and Glenn, the three fabulous hosts of Tabletop Journeys who've been on the show several times before and who I'll always invite back. So go check out Tabletop Journeys at ttjourneys.com or at ttjourneys on Twitter. We also have Joe from the Fourth Leg podcast, a podcast all about giving DMs another leg to stand on. Again, previous guests of the show, and I'd thoroughly encourage you to go and check out their great content. So you can find them at The Fourth Leg on Twitter. We also have a good friend of the show, Optional Rule. You can go and find him out on optionalrule.com or at optionalrule, full of very insightful and educated comments and thoughts and threads on the really nitty-gritty of D&D. We have what a guy, Matthew Perkins, who is just out there in the world trying to make you laugh. So go and check him out at matthewperkins.net or at hey it's matty p m-a-t-t-y-p and good friend of the show and one of my table mates matthew street go and check out his partner's hustle at virtualtimehustle.com or at mpstreet88 on twitter